What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 66 of the Half Price Concessions podcast. This week, we check in for the third time in podcast history with our good buddy Keith Montgomery of Montgomery Performance Consulting. We recap a little bit of his 2021 season with his performance business, and about 12 minutes in, we get into his experience at the NASCAR Next Gen Test down at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and what starts from that ends up turning into a whole NASCAR upper echelon of racing discussion that kind of spills over, all on Keith's front porch, always a fun time hanging out with Keith. Encourage you to go give his Facebook page a like, uh, Montgomery Performance Consulting, check out all the cool work he's doing, and if you're a racer, see how he can speed your program up today. On the other side of these messages, we get into it. Episode 66 with Keith Montgomery and the NASCAR Next Gen Test here on the Half Price Concessions Podcast. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Keith Montgomery of Montgomery Performance Consulting, and I want to help speed up your racing program. Whether you're racing dirt, asphalt, or road course, put my years of experience to work for you. Our pull-down services will help find where you're giving up speed so you can unload faster and run up front. We also offer trackside consulting and data testing to help you find speed and balance. And with our central location in Burlington, North Carolina, you can come to us for discounted rates on pull-down sessions. Call me today at 336-382-1835. Like us on Facebook at Montgomery Performance Consulting and let us help your racing program today. The Half Price Concessions podcast cannot say thank you enough to Roger Johnson and the awesome folks at the Performance Center Racing Warehouse for all their support of our podcast and of local racing. If you are an asphalt racer and you need your front or rear clip fixed, Performance Center has some of the quickest turnarounds in the country. In the market for a new race car, the PRW chassis is a proven winner. You need something for your asphalt late model stock race car. You need to get in touch with Roger Johnson and Performance Center Racing Warehouse today. Make sure you check out their website. It's performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. You can also like them on Facebook at Performance Center Racing Warehouse and call them today at 704-838-1400. When you're eating breakfast, you don't think twice about hitting an electric line in your cereal. If you're looking through your dresser, does damaging a fiber optic line cross your mind? Of course not, because those utilities are buried underground. So don't think twice about calling 811 before digging. 811 is a free service, takes as little as five minutes, protects you and your neighborhood, and it's the law. So call or click 811 today. This safety message brought to you by North Carolina 811. Accelerated Graphics has been supporting the Half Price Concessions podcast from day one, and they're set up and ready to support you in whatever needs you have. From custom embroidery to screen printing, promotional items for your business, charity, or organization, banners, bulk decals, apparel, and now a fully interactive website at worth2tenths.com, Accelerated Graphics is set up to help you get the word out for your business. Wrap your race car with a look that gets you noticed, and now Accelerator Graphics also offers window tinting. Call Accelerator Graphics today at 336-266-5653 or visit the interactive website at www.worth2tenths.com. 
or visit their showroom in person at 1130 Cherry Lane in Graham, North Carolina. Back on the Half Price Concessions podcast for our annual checkup with Dr. Keith Montgomery of Montgomery Performance. <laughs> this is becoming an annual thing. This is the third year in a row. And technically, Keith, you're on the podcast pretty much as, as much as I am or anybody else because your, ad, your advertisement plays on every episode. But uh, good to be back with you to check in. Uh, before we get into you know the title, the title of the episode is, is what uh, you ran into with the NASCAR Next Gen car, but obviously a lot more going on than that. For you, as 2021 pretty much wraps up and everybody's kind of in off-season mode, uh, how was the year for you and, and Montgomery Performance as a, as a company? It it was successful, and I'm thankful for the customers that we had, and um, a lot of our customers saw success. Uh, some that allow us to talk about it, others uh, they want to protect their anonymity. They feel like they have an advantage, and they don't want their competitors to realize the advantage. So they uh, they've asked me not to disclose who they are and and, and what they're doing, but um we've had customers all over and in indiana uh, we've gone and helped some guys on dirt and we've gone and helped an asphalt guy and um you know we've been to maine and uh twice we've been to indiana twice been to maine twice um had some customers come here from tennessee had some customers from south carolina come here from virginia come here uh actually had a guy from Indiana come here, um, had some guys in Michigan call us and have us to analyze their data and kind of break down what they're doing, what we saw, um, and try and improve their performance. And uh, it was two, it was a, a team, and uh, both those guys reported back that all the stuff we worked with them on was major, major help, and it took them to the next level with their program. Um, the guys in Indiana, did a data test and a pull down, and that took their program to the next level. Uh, they had not won. At best, they were a third place car, but after the data test and the pull down, they lapped everybody but a third place man. Nice. Uh, which was really good. Uh, our good friends up in Maine uh, hadn't, you know, weren't having uh, the, just weren't dominating. And uh, we went and did a data test with them, and they, uh, you know, both both groups, you know, really started having an extremely fast car. Um, you know, can talk about one of them, White Alexander, great family, known as Grandpa for a while. Uh, his dad, Brett, they are just extremely good people, and was fortunate to go and do a data test with him after that data test. Uh, White would set the fastest lap in practice, fastest in his heat race, and fastest in the race, and and he won a lot. Uh, ended up winning the last race that Beach Ridge had, so that was nice. Um, you know, it's just <clears throat> you you get customers, and you know they they see where they can improve the program, and it's just whether it's coming here for the pull down or, or us going there, data testing with them, pulling down with them, or just you know, consulting with them. It's been, it's been fun. And it's, you know, the dream is, is to help more people have success in the sport. So the sport stays healthy 
and that's chugging right along. And, uh, you know, part of the podcast is, the, you know, got a call to do a data test with a cup car. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is I worked at that level for so many years and then got away from it to, because I didn't really enjoy it and started my own company. And then next thing you know, this level is wanting my company to help them. I was like, well, okay. About to say, it got, it got wrote back in eventually. Yep. Um, real quick, because I know, I feel like once once we fall off in the NASCAR well, we're going to have a hard time jumping back out because I got a lot of questions. Okay. But another thing I know we had emphasized last year when you came on and, and we made a series of videos that are on the Montgomery Performance Facebook page about the benefits that, that you you opened up for guys being able to come here and and save a little money to to get your services and not have to you know pay for the it's a lot to travel around with all the equipment you bring how was the response on your end for guys coming here to to your house to do the pull downs and take advantage of what you offer it's good very good um had guys from all over uh tennessee indiana uh virginia south carolina you know north carolina down down by the coast um, just several, you know, several guys have, have come and, um, all of them, you know, you, you can't, there's so many variables you, you can't see, but, uh, you know, we, we managed to help their alignment, help their loads, help their program. And, and every one of them saw major gains in their program. Um, you can't just pull a car down and magically make a guy a winner. Yeah. Um, although we'd love to, uh, so not everybody just won races, but uh, their pro, they, you know, every one of them told me, you know, not one person's left here and said you screwed up my program, man. I said, <laughs> I, it was a waste of my money. Give me my money back. Uh, everybody that has left here has called back, had positive feedback, and said, you know, thank you so much for what you did. And, and we're going to tell our friends and, and, our, our, and a lot of them want to tell somebody. Uh, some of them, not so much. They, yeah. they feel like, okay, now I found an advantage. I don't want my competitors to, to know that. So I think it went well for the first year. Um, obviously, we'd like to be busier, but um, what we do is so specialized. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys are, are starting to learn about it. And realize how how effective it is, and, and how much it does help your program. Because in the old days, let's face it, we went to the racetrack and we just ran laps and we threw everything at it, but the kitchen sink. Yeah. Sometimes, luckily, we hit on something that was fast. Uh, and then there's been cars where you just take to the racetrack and you throw everything at it, and it just n- it never responds. While burning and, tires, fuel, and wearing tear on the engine. Exactly. <laughs> and then you. You know, later in life, you get it on a pull down and you realize, oh man, my bar's bound up. And, and that one simple problem, just fixing that one problem, set the car on fire. And, yeah. you know, so a lot of guys are understanding that, you know, it's not just a, a magical tool, it's an alignment tool. And it can, it can make your car so when you go to the racetrack, you're fine tuning, you're not chasing a, ma- a massive problem. Yeah. And that's, a lot of guys are starting to learn that and go, okay, I need to take advantage of that. And by us making it more affordable where guys come here and pay by the hour instead of, you know, paying me a lot of money to come to their shop, a lot of guys are starting to take advantage of it and go, yeah, that's extremely affordable, man. That's cheaper than a set of tires. I, I got to go do that. I know one of the things, I went back and listened last year when we talked, 
one of the big things you keyed on was being able not only is it a more viable and in some cases a much more affordable option to do the pull down as opposed to going to racetrack renting it and all those expenses but it also is a little more controlled of an environment for guys to try things like a different spring or a different shock or something of that nature and you're not wearing your car out to do it but it's it's somewhere where you can do that and you're getting kind of the same thing over and over. Whereas we go to the racetrack, if we go in the morning and the track's one temperature, the sun's not on it, but then we get to the afternoon and the track bakes and things change. You have a, a I guess being here, it's a lot less of a variable to try to acquire not just data, but knowledge on here's what it's going to do if I throw this on there. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. And, and the one thing where, more and more guys are starting to understand is what our one customer in Indiana understood. He data tested and then he came and pulled down. Now he understands that we can map that corner out, corner entry, corner middle and exit with using the data. It's his car, his, his track. Uh, you know, the information is, is precise. There's no more accurate information. And we can look at the wedge curve or cross, however people label it. And, Everybody fights tight in the center, loose off. No matter who it is, at his at the cup level and many stocks, it don't matter. It's everybody's tight in the middle, loose off. And so, um, one of the things we do with that is we look at changes, and we run it through those cycles again to to see if we found a change that will take wedge away in the middle, but increase the wedge on exit. And that's where we woke the car up in Indiana. Yeah. We use the data and the pull down to make changes, find changes that would de-wedge it in the center and increase the wedge on exit. And he went from running third to lapping everybody but third. <laughs> so yeah. I ain't saying we can do that for everybody. You, you know, you're not going to take yeah. a 20th place car and start lapping the field. But you will be way head and shoulders above where you were. And, and it's, I, can't, I can't describe the, the value in that. Because you get to see it's your car, your information, your track, and you find changes that help combat what you're fighting. Yeah. And it's, it's like if we could have learned this stuff 20 years, 30 years ago when I drove, man, I was like, holy moly. Maybe you'd have been in cup. I, no, <laughs> I don't know. But it, I think we'd have won more than we did, and that yeah. would have, that would have been a, a that'd been fun. Yeah. Yeah, that'd been real fun. I know you. I know you've traveled a lot, mm -hmm. but. Uh, just from this year alone, was there anything real cool that resulted from some of your travels, like something cool you got to experience? Because I know last time you talked about because of what you did in your career path, you got to go ride around Alcatraz and you got to go do all this cool stuff. So so just from this year and your travel with, for, for the performance, was there anything cool you got to do? Like, man, like that's pretty cool. Um, we got to visit some places in Maine, and, and that was like we – um, instead of getting a hotel, my wife Susie went with me, and um, we got a cabin. Yeah. And oh, it's so beautiful there, and and it was so affordable. It was cheaper than a hotel, and it was nicer than a hotel. You didn't have to ride elevators. You didn't have all the noise. Um, it was tucked off in the woods, and it was a young couple, very nice people, and they had a maple syrup business, and mm -hmm. they had they rented out cabins. And we rented from them, and they was telling us, 
you know, where the local eats are and that sort of thing. And um, that was just a really neat experience to to stay in that cabin, to see all the countryside, and it just and eat at the places that they recommended. Just beautiful. I mean, it was like you see things there you just don't see here in North Carolina. And it was like, I see why people live in Maine. Heck yeah. Yeah, it was just beautiful. So that was one. And, and you know, my wife, she, she really enjoyed that. You know, it was the cabin. That was that was neat. It actually had, in the bathroom, it had a mirror over here, a table and a chair for her to sit at with light to do her makeup so she's not standing in, you know. Oh, in, in the, in, okay. So it was a neat thing for her. and was like, holy crap, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't put on any makeup, but she did. <laughs> yeah. So, from all that fun, now I'm going to take us down the Primrose Path. I'm just kidding. But I'm just endlessly curious. So, you posted some pictures on the Montgomery Performance Facebook page uh, from when you got to go down to Charlotte and got to be uh, involved in the one of the latest nascar next gen tests whatever they're calling them so before we even get to the racetrack like how'd you even get an invite because i know I, I don't i don't think you were probably beating the door down to go get to 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 seek this opportunity out i should say so how, how do we even get started with you even being like oh man i guess i'm gonna go to charlotte um a good friend of mine bob bowles uh reached out and said hey i've got this uh computer program that I've designed and it's a sim program and I need data to validate it and um, I, there's a team that's wanting me to help them do some things and uh, we need to contract you to put data on the car and, and provide me with the data so I was like well okay I'll you, do, I'll you, do didn't, that. you didn't have to load the DSS up or nothing no 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 um, and you know, so we I go down November the 16th, and Bob meets me at the shop, and, and, you know, we work with the team and get the data system on the car and find out that the test is longer than we thought. It was going to be two days, and it was going to go from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, Wednesday and then uh, 9 to 5 uh, Thursday. It's like, Bob, you didn't tell me about that, dude. Yeah. Well, he didn't know yeah. because NASCAR changed things so much so late uh, that he didn't know. Um, so that's how it started. Uh, a good friend of mine reached out. And so we, I got the data and provided it to Bob, and he validated his program. His SIM program worked flawlessly, um, and it, it predicted what the data provided. So he did validate his program. Um, and I, obviously, he's going to have that available for guys um, I, at all levels. Yeah. But uh, it was fun to. I got to see some of the, the guys that uh, I worked with, and I was around all those years. Um, it was that was neat. Um, got some calls after I left. What are you doing in the cup garage? And you know, <laughs> so that was, it was fun to to do that and it was neat to see the car and i got a bird's eye view of of what they're fighting what what's what's going on and uh it just was a big reminder of why i got away from cup racing <laughs> yeah because i remember we we had talked on one and you had talked about uh 
when the car Tamara had come out back in whatever year it was, and 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 you had been involved in some in some testing with that, yeah, much different role at the time. I think you were you were working with Ganassi, mm-hmm. where this was you were more of an independent contractor. So this isn't the first time you've seen them try to break out a, a brand new race car, and it's it's to me it's it's the aesthetic. It's completely different, but I feel like a lot of other things remain the same. What I mean by that is, like, with the car tomorrow, uh, you know, they all look the same, and that was a big criticism of them. Where this one, the big thing they're selling is that it looks like what you go see at the showroom, if the showrooms had cars anymore, because then none of them have cars. But I'm sure underneath the skin, and I know you, you can attest this as much as you want, but underneath... It's probably still the same. I'm sure those guys are fighting the same frustrations that you were fighting with the car tomorrow. Like, how are we supposed to make this work performance wise? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one thing that I will say, and and I'll probably end up repeating this, and this will probably be my answer to a lot of the questions that you have later on. And it's the, the one thing that I took away from it is and this is just strictly my opinion and i'm sure people will blast me for it and oh you don't know what he's talking about rant, 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 and that stuff and that's okay i get it it's all it's you know my opinion it was designed by a guy that isn't going to have to work on it and that's that's a problem and that, that's just i mean the the car tomorrow as much as people want to complain about it you still, it still made sense. The changes that you could make, you you weren't in such a small box. Um, you were able to make changes, and, and um, you could do things. Yeah. With this car, it's you about have to take a lot of it apart to get to something to make a change, and so that was the my big takeaway. Um, are is NASCAR gonna do things to improve the performance and will they make adjustments that will put on a good show for the fans? I'm sure they will, but it's still that car. (laughs) It was designed by a guy. I guarantee you it was designed by a guy that ain't going to work on it. Um, and had they probably brought in, uh, a more of a racer and had him participate in the, design of it i think it would have made a better product um for everybody because at the end of the day if the guy showing up to work on it is just shaking his head before he ever lifts the hood then you got a problem and that's a problem like like with sovadat uh that was an analysis tool a data analysis tool that we created at sova um very smart smart guys participated in in doing that um and I had a lot of input. I'm not an engineer. I don't have a degree. I'm just a dumb old country boy. And so, you know, I, I wanted it simple to where I could do it. And so uh, I explained what I wanted to these guys, and they made it happen. And then uh, they got us a version that would work, and we went and I, a friend of mine, HC Sellers, was like, hey, I want you to come over and I want you to try and plink around in this and just kind of see what, and I, we wanted to watch what he would do and see, you know, if he, uh, if it was cumbersome to him Yeah. and you know how this goes. Anytime you get a, a racer with HC's experience 
and knowledge plinking around in something, he may have a better idea than you. And yeah. so, because he's looking at it from a completely different standpoint, he's looking at it like, how can I learn something from this? Yeah. And so HC came over and plinked around in it, and he's like, why? Why is this like that? That's stupid. Why don't you do it this way? And and the engineer was sitting there taking notes. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so to me, if NASCAR would have done something like that, I think they would have a a better car for the guys. But that's just my like I said, that's just my yeah. opinion and. Yeah, you know, I know I'm gonna get raked over the coals for it, but I, I think if you took a poll from the guys that actually have to work on this thing, you probably would get eight to ten, eight to nine of them out of ten, and be like, yeah, I, I don't like working on it. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's you have to disassemble things to get to it to make the change you want to make. You know what? And it sounds like the same complaint that a mechanic that works on a passenger car says nowadays. Yeah. Your cars from the '80s and into the early '90s everything was a lot more accessible things weren't quite hidden as much and now it, it i see it in the form of facebook memes from buddies of mine that that, that are mechanics yeah. or or even just body guys that that actually have to work on these things not mm -hmm. just drop them off you know they actually have to work on them and it's like i, I mean you look under like my, my wife's got an equinox that's a little newer than my f-150 you got to take off so much stuff just to just to get to anything in the motor, let alone where stuff's sitting. So I, I see exactly what you're talking about where it's like, this is not, this was not, thought, this seems to have not been thought of in a way where you're going to have to be a specialist to be able to get to things. Well, if you think about it, so look at it from these, these, these terms. Um, you, you broadcast at dirt tracks and you know, them guys get three laps and then they got to make changes and they got to come out and be ready to stand on the loud pedal. Yeah. Well, in NASCAR, you only get so much practice. Well, if it takes you, <laughs> you want to get back on the racetrack, but if you got to take 30 minutes to make a change and you've done, you've, and you only got 45 minutes, you've done lost 30 minutes of your practice. Um, I don't know that they will face some of that. I, I think they may. Um, those guys are pretty smart, and they're all of them are, are really intelligent, and they can figure out ways around it. It's just I think, you know, coming out of the box, it's, it's gonna get, you're going to hear a lot of complaining and a lot of fussing, but as they have time to work with it, yeah. and they get more familiar with it, and they start understanding, okay, this is the changes we can make, and so, you know, then then I think it's going to I think it's going to show up a problem that I'm I'm forecasting. Yeah, is all the guys are going to come to the same conclusion, and they're all going to be going the same speed, <laughs> and it's it's going to be. I'm not going to say it's going to be an IROC series, but those guys are pretty smart, and when they maximize this thing out, and they're all going to be going the same speed, and then what? Yeah. Then then what are you going to do? Then then who? I mean, who's going what? What differentiates right. one from another, and, yeah. and and what happens with that? I I have seen this. Every time someone tries to do a deal, where 
uh, all right, the difference ain't going to be motors. Everybody's going to be on the same motor. Yeah. Everybody's going to be on this. What happens is whoever gets out front never gets passed because no one can make up the difference to make a pass and actually race because uh, well, we all basically got the same thing out here. The only thing different is the, is the guy wearing the fire suit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I see that, like I said, that's me forecasting down yeah. the road. Once these guys have enough time to tinker with them and work with them, they're all going to migrate the same way because they're smart. They understand. They know. I mean, and, and they have every tool accessible. They have Kinemax compliance rigs. They have seven posts. They have sims, you know, simulation programs. So they're no dummies. They're all going to go to the same direction, and they're all going to go, and they're all going to maximize the same car. And so then what? Then what do you do? And that's the question that NASCAR will have to answer when they get to that point. They're not they're not even remotely close there because there was such a variance in speed at this one test. Um, but give them enough time, let yeah. them play with it, and you're going to see them all running the same speed. Yeah. You know, pretty much like, oh, well, because nobody keeps secrets in NASCAR. <laughs> no, nah, it's like middle school gossip, I'm sure. Oh, it's worse than a beauty parlor. <laughs> One of the things, I've heard this on so many drivers' podcasts, and I'm sure you'll be able to uh, to speak to it somewhat. So many of them talk about, with the most recent car, a lot of them said we need to make the car harder to drive. It got to a point where they had it too easy to drive, especially with the low horsepower package, where, I mean, you didn't have to you know, let out of the throttle as much, and, and it was just easier to drive. I never heard a single ounce of any of that in any driver interview or any article I ever read. Man, my English bad. Any article I ever read as a NASCAR fan up until about 2002, 2003, or whenever it was they started going to the next one. That's just weird for me to think. I can't imagine Rusty Wallace or Mark Martin in 97, 98 talking about we need to make the car harder to drive. But nowadays, from from what they're just coming to, and I'm sure... uh, I'm sure it'll get to that point whenever they all get it figured out, like you said, about making a car harder to drive. It's just weird. Well, how it, do we, I don't know how we got to this point with the high, supposedly the highest level of racing in the country. Yeah. <laughs> that, that goes back to the, the people making the decisions. And, you, you know, to be fair, you'd have to ask them. Um, I don't want to second guess, and I don't want a Monday morning quarterback uh, much. Just at the end of the day, you know, as a race fan, because if we're all being honest, we're all race fans. Yeah. It, whether you participate in the sport and, and make a living at it or not, you're still a race fan. You still love the sport, and you want it to be as good as it can be. And you, you look at what's going on, and, and it's kind of like the format. You're like, okay, so you everybody races, and then... 26 races in, you figure out, well, okay, well, the top 16 in points, you're going to race for the championship. Well, what if the guy in 17th in points just went on fire? Yeah. And just, I mean, he, they, they found a problem and corrected it and just got on fire. You just took that from him. Yeah. Now, how often does it happen? I, I don't really know. But, and then you get four guys at the end of the season to, to race for a championship. And in a one race playoff. Yeah, and it's like it's, I, the the term I'll use is clever marketing, but it ain't racing. And luckily, 
this year, Kyle Larson had an unreal season, better than anybody else. He ended up winning a championship. Yeah. So I feel like it, it, it played out like it should have, even against, you know, even with the odds stacked against him and, you know, just trying to give it to somebody else. Um, you know, it worked out like it was supposed to. But I'm like, man, that's, yeah. I mean, how long are they going to continue the clever marketing yeah. and 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 just get away from the racing? You know, it's it's. I've said, I've told people for years, I was like, you know, it seems like they just want an IROC series where you just show up and get into cars and they're all equal. Yeah. And and the better driver wins, and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the goal or or even a thought process for them, but uh, it sure seems that way, and it's odd. Yeah, just odd. I mean, because you, it, I feel like you got to have both, but I but I do like the series Tony Stewart had this year with the SRX series where it was basically I rock, but I also. Because my uncle worked at Penske in the 90s and, and, and other teams before. But it wasn't just seeing a driver drive. It was also seeing who could bring the best stuff, who who mm-hmm. figured something out. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I remember 93, Mark Martin was struggling, struggling right off the bat. And then they hit on something, he wins four races in a row. And yeah. obviously Mark's a good driver, but... You also have in the aspect of Steve Mill and all them people at Roush hitting on something in the setup in a, in, a, in the chassis shop, and I'm sure that rings more true to you because that's what you're trying to help guys do at the local level. Is yes, you know, I'm not working on your talent per se so much. I'm working on your knowledge of this race car because this race car is what goes around. Yes, well, you just want to. At the end of the day, you want the four tires or this the rubber meets the road. And you want as much of the tire on the racetrack as you can in the center of the corner. <laughs> and, and the guy that's just smart enough to do that is going to go faster. But when you're in a box that they're in, um, like I said, they're all going to get to the same conclusion because they're smart. They're, all them guys are smart. They know what they're doing. And they have access to even the, the low-budget teams, if you want to call them that, they all have access to uh, a simulation program and – the simulation is going to tell them the same thing. So they're all going to go the same direction. And it's just how long is it going to take them to get there? That's the question. And that's what it'll be interesting to see during the season. You know, how long is it going to take them to get to where somebody's just not dominating and where, okay, they're all out there running the same speed. And it's like, well, who's going to, you know, yeah. going to wreck him to win? <laughs> what was what, what was the atmosphere like as far as, like, was there was there, like, any big thing on like staying hush hush or staying in your lane as far as like communicating or was it kind of like just a like any other test you ever been to like what was what was that aspect like as far as just the atmosphere um there were some guys fussing and you know like i'm i'm holding it wide open and what else we're gonna do yeah because <laughs> You know, we I made the joke. I got I got on to the engine guy we had at Atlanta, and I was like, "We need some more power." And he said, "Is he holding it wide open?" I said, "Well, no." He said, "Well, he's using he ain't using all he's got. You need to get to work on the car." Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, if, if you're holding it wide open, you're using all you got, and then yeah. what else you gonna do? Um, 
So some guys were fussing about that and um, the speed they were going, you know, they, they wasn't going as fast as they would like to go. Um, they feel like if, you know, you got the speed up, then because now, you know, you can hold it wide open. Yeah. Um, but if you get the speed up, if you if you give them a little more power or or take something away from them, <clears throat> then then they're going to have to lift, and then handling is going to come into play. But yeah. when you when you maximize everything out and everybody's got the same thing and you're holding it wide open and you know what do you do? You draft yeah. maybe and slingshot, but I don't know that you can slingshot. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like I said, NASCAR will will they are really good about staying on top of the information and looking at it and evaluating it going okay we see a problem and let's address it and let's fix it now the fix they implement you're going to piss some off yeah. and, and, and some guys going to like it uh, I don't think NASCAR it's like an official I would never be an official it just, yeah. the dude can't win yeah. I mean, it don't matter if he is as fair. Like, he goes to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. <laughs> he prays all the time. He prays over the decision he makes. He still is going to make somebody mad. Yeah. So they're going to irritate some people with what they implement, um, and they're going to make some happy. But I think they'll address it and try to get it to a, a, a better show. But um, I'm optimistic that it will... Cause they, like, you know, like with the car tomorrow, yeah. you know, they, they realized right away, like, <laughs> whoops, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do some things, and they, like I said, they've got their thumb on the the temperature of things, so and they they do a good job of listening to the drivers, and and teams, and and they adjust. So it's, I just I'm, I haven't watched much of it, yeah. in the last bit, uh, but I may watch this year just to see uh, what happens and, and how how long it takes them to to get to where they need to be. Gotcha. Yeah. What do you think of the bodies? I know the, the body seems to be the big thing they're selling is just how much it looks like a production car. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. And, and, and two, I look at it from a business standpoint too. I've got some friends that are in the sport still, and uh, one of my good friends, John Kinder, uh, I think you got to meet John uh, a while back. Smart guy. He's been uh, been a lot of teams in the aero department with body hanging and stuff. Well, it's kind of taken him out of a job. I mean, he is is extremely smart, understands he can make this panel a certain way, and maximize everything. Well, they've taken that out of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it put guys like John out of a job, basically. Um, so I understand it's kind of like Walmart implementing a self-checkout. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's taking people out of a job um, when jobs aren't really, well, let's keep political crap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to eliminate jobs. You yeah. you want to add jobs is is the goal, and and they're eliminating jobs and fabricators, body hangers. I was gonna. I was just. That was gonna be the next thing I asked you is how many guys you knew that did fabrication for so many years that now it's like they're not needed anymore. Yeah, I mean it's 
teams ha have been able to cut back on the amount of guys and um, I mean it's sad it's just it, it is sad really truly sad um, things have gone more toward the engineering side uh, so it's it looks good for engineers if you've got a degree and you you know you know a little bit about a race car you can get a job and and enjoy yourself um, but guys that work with their hands that do the, the body hanging and fabricating different things yeah there's not so much <laughs> yeah. and I and, and I mentioned Kinder as a, an example but he, he's just one of many I know so many guys um, that that are in that bucket and just it sucks yeah. but what do you do I mean, you, you, it's corporate America, I guess. Yeah. There was there was some talk uh, on some things I listened to about, was this a NASCAR thing? Was this team owners wanting to cut salaries and, and, and do that? Or was this all pushed by the manufacturers and they're all just trying to keep them happy because they put in so much money, I think. I don't, I don't know if anyone puts in more than Toyota, but I know the the three manufacturers just put in an insane amount of money. What what what's your thought on that? Do you think it was a little bit of everything, or you think it was one over the other? Well, just just from your outset and opinion, I know you're not in that world. Yeah, um, I know at one point they were trying to develop a manual. You know how you got an owner's manual with your car, and the manufacturers do that. They they tell you, okay, you know your TPS sensor is malfunctioning, how to reset it, how to do this, how to swap it out. And it's step-by-step. Step they create a manual that tells you that. Well, teams were going to create manuals to try and show you where things went on the race car, how they were, went, and so they could eliminate the high-paid guys that had 15, 20, 30 years experience and go out and hire a kid that didn't know much but he could read yeah. and he could follow direction and he could assemble that race car um, so they were there were some teams that were going to take that approach and and so I don't know how much of it was team owner uh, honestly I feel like it was a, it's a whole uh, compilation of things and uh, one of my good friends Stephen Lane we call, they call him Bone uh, that came from over at Penske. It was basically backbone. He was the backbone of the 12 car for Mayfield. This is where that came from, and they shortened it down to bone. He and I were talking at Bristol, I guess, in 2002. And we were having a, a long heart-to-heart -heart talk, and he said, cool. He said, uh, pretty soon it's just going to be five owners that own everything. And he it's said, basically gotten there now. He said, it's just, he said it's going to be five owners that own everything. He said this, uh, the sport's going to look completely different um, than what we're used to. And he, I, I don't know if he had a crystal ball or, <laughs> or if he had, uh, a genie had granted him that. I don't know how he came about it, but he was spot on. Oh, yeah. And he knew what he was talking about. And so, you know, that was... That was pretty cool to to look now at where the sport is, yeah. and to be a part of that conversation with Stephen and go, holy moly, 
Nailed it. It sure did play out. Right. You know, you know some lottery numbers I can pick while you're at it? <laughs> exactly. So um, I think the manufacturers have a say, and um, I think the team owners obviously have a say, and I think NASCAR has a say. And, you know, it's, it's money and cost. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they, it, you know, people can say what they want to, but it's just math. It's just simple math. It's, it's numbers. It's numbers. And what can I do to make money? And because they have, obviously, they have to make money. Yeah. Um, they have overhead they got to pay, and, and it's just got to make money. That's the sad truth. And so they're looking at ways to trim cost and, and, and remain profitable. And the problem that they really don't want to talk about, and I'll get in trouble for this one, but I'm, I'm okay with that, is years ago, you had 50, 50, let's just say 50 cars fully funded with one primary sponsor for the entire season mm -hmm. showing up for 43 spots. So you had your Napa car, you had your DeWalt car, you had your Lowe's car, your Home Depot, uh, your Shell, uh, Goodwrench. You know, you, you had those primary sponsors that would fund the season and the cost just got so out of control that it just became a, a, a it's like hide and seek to try and find a sponsor that could afford to be a primary sponsor for the entire season. And then you, you over years, you saw it transition into like, well, uh, you have four or five different companies that sponsor the, the car and they have certain races that they'll be the primary sponsor on the car. And, but you don't ever see a car that is just fully funded by one, one like Home Depot. You don't, you don't see no. a Home Depot car anymore. Um, Napa, you don't see a Napa car the entire season. You see multiple sponsors because they just, it got too expensive and they just, they couldn't justify the return they were getting. So that's part of the problem. And like, do, you think, this, do you think it was always going to get to that point or do you think we sped it, they sped it up? Like, I feel, um, I feel like racing always gets more expensive. But there are things that maybe we could have done to slow it down where it didn't progress too fast. Well, I'll give you an example. Look at the short tracks. So your Saturday night racer, um, majority of them work a job and then come home and work on their race car. Well, I'm not sure what year, but somebody had the bright idea. Well, let's implement a crate motor. You can go get them for 4500 bucks, and let's just run those. Well, Okay. Everybody was like, yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah. Well, now you got a Ford crate. Now you got a Chevy crate. Now you got a Harrington. Now you got a spec. What, I mean, where does it end? You know, they, so, like, pick a motor. Like, just pick one. It don't matter what you, I mean, but see, when you pick one, then now you're picking winners and losers. Now, let's just say they, they're going to pick the Chevy crate, and that's all you can run. Well, now you put the people building the Harrington out of business you put the people doing the spec motor out of business you know so what I mean how do you it, it's a difficult choice I get that and I understand that but it's like it sucks to have to make that decision 
but it it's being made and that's kind of the thing that they're doing there it's like well who do we eliminate because we got to eliminate something because yeah. we you know you can't get a sponsor to throw out 30 million for a season and just fund it the entire time it's not happening and this is where i'm gonna get in trouble sponsors they're not stupid they're very smart people and they bring the bean counter with them to the track and stuff and when they and look i don't begrudge any driver i'm thankful we have them i think i'm very thankful that um you know they they're doing what they're doing and they're they're making a lot of money i get it and i'm, I'm thankful i don't begrudge them yeah um because i didn't sit down and negotiate their deal they did yeah so but the sponsors came and they see the eight million dollar jet sitting at the airport that the driver owns and then they get to the track and they see the four million dollar motorhome that the driver owns they're like well what the hell are we doing yeah are we are we are we providing this gentleman with a lavish lifestyle or are we are we sponsoring a race car and getting a return on our money what are we doing so the bean counter started asking those questions and it's like wait a minute we don't need to give you people this much money yeah what, what <laughs> hold on here so that's when and I, like I said, I'll get in trouble for that one right there. Uh, kind of like, you know, Jeff Burton spouted off years ago about, well, these guys are making too much money. And talking about crew members. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then Dale Jr. said something about driver's salaries are going down because they just not, it, it ain't there no more. No. All, all, all the old guys that had those high salaries that carried over from the 90s and early 2000s, that, that, that ain't there no more. No. It, none <laughs> of that's there. And... Like I said, you, you look at it, and it went from a guy like Dale Earnhardt that, that came up hard, that raced his guts out, and, I mean, he made it. Yeah. And he made a pile of money. Look at Todd Massey. That dude, he could drive one sideways, one eye shut, and one hand behind his back. That man could wheel a race car. Yeah. But he, he, you know, he just didn't make it to that level. Now, you got guys out there that don't have near the talent of a Todd Massey, a Barry Begley, or, you know, a Jay Fogelman, or some of those guys. Um, and I'm I'm not trying to eliminate anybody or not mention anybody. Those, That's just, those are your contemporaries. Th those three came to mind. But now you got a guy that, that his daddy will write him a check and, and pay for the ride. And um, Richard Petty would stand around till the very last fan got an autograph because he knew that the fans was where his money came from. Well, the guy that his daddy's writing the check, he don't care because his money's not coming from them fans. His money is coming from his daddy. So he don't need them fans. So he don't stick around and sign until the last fan is happy. As soon as it's over, he gets on a golf cart, he's rushed over to a helicopter and taken to his jet, and he goes wherever he wants to go. And there's a disconnect. And that's part of the problem that they're having with the sport. Nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. Um, NASCAR did it too, though. Oh, Na gosh. NASCAR did. It. I remember uh, someone posted a YouTube clip uh, from '96 when they ran the last race in North Wilkesboro before they were losing their dates, and Daryl Waltrip said, "You know, we're we're doing a lot of taking, but racing at places like North Wilkesboro, he's like, that's how we give back." to that segment of fans, he said, we, we're going to get to a point where all we're doing is taking, not giving anything back, and those people won't be there anymore. That's right. So now they're 
trying to, they are literally reversing course with trying to get North Wilkesboro back open. Exactly. And I think that's just a, a, I think that's just a symbol of a bigger, I think you get what I'm saying. I do. And, and look, full disclosure, I, I made a good living in the sport and uh, I enjoyed a lot of the years I was there. But the fact is, NASCAR had someone take over and they basically alienated the fan base that they had, which was phenomenal. You best fans in the world and went after the wine and cheese crowd. And, and let's face it, a lot, of, a lot of those people just don't have a passion for circle track racing. <laughs> and, and, um, but then they priced it out of, they, they took it from tracks that, these, that you and I could afford to go to and they started putting it at tracks that you know had more seating capacity and and uh, could charge more and make more money and you know uh, it just they lost the way. Like Bill France, if he had a sponsor come to him and say, "Hey, I'd like to do something with the sport," he he knew his teams and he knew who was struggling and who would do a good job, but they just needed a sponsor. He would take them to the team, be like, "Look, he'd marry them up." Yeah. He knew if his teams were healthy, his sport was healthy. They lost that. They lost sight of that. And NASCAR started gobbling up all the sponsors, and now they went from 43 teams. So let's just say back when I participated with sport, there was probably 50 teams fully funded Yeah. for 43 spots. Well, now they can't even get 40 spots sometimes. Yeah. Some races, they don't have 40 cars. Yeah. So they've taken away three. So you look, there's... There, not a, it's not 50 cars showing up anymore fully mm-hmm. funded now you're barely getting 40 cars sometimes showing up and they're not fully funded they're, let's be honest there's some that are starting parks and you know and and nascar has a way of, of alienating those guys yeah. i mean they're just trying to make a living yeah. and they show up and they go well you got to run the whole race or you ain't getting paid like well okay mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so i think they lost their way and I don't know that they're backtracking some. Yeah. Um, you see facilities taking seats out now because they can't sell them. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, they're talking about opening up North Wilkesboro. Just and, to try to drum something back up. Right. So, but you look at what happened. Rockingham, that was a cool racetrack. North Wilkesboro, cool racetrack. Uh Heck, NASCAR bush cars used to go to South Boston in Orange County. Yeah, and Hickory. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach, yeah. You know, so um, when you start taking that and trying to grow, 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 you obviously you're going to eliminate something. You let you leave something behind. You, you're exactly right. And I, I think now somebody's realizing what they've done, but I think they stayed the course so long that I don't know if they're going to get it back. To, to where it was it may it may get back to where it was it may get back it may get even better at a certain point but I think if you look a lot of the fans that were a part of NASCAR have gone to the monster trucks yeah because you you get to see that truck up close you get to get your picture taken with that driver and he gets to sign your stuff um and they put on a show. They screw them things into the ground yep. and destroy them. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's they lost a lot of their fans to the monster trucks because they have access to the drivers and they, they, 
you know, they NASCAR says, well, you, they got access, but mm-hmm. not like other sports, not like the not like the monster trucks. Yeah. You know, so that I think it's. I I told people before, and I'll I'll get in trouble for this one, but what convinced me to leave the sport was Dell Sr. came by the year before he passed and was like, you making good money for a dumb old country boy? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, you know, don't... Don't waste it. Don't waste (laughs) it, because Brian France takes over. He's going to run it in the ground. And I was like, well, okay. So I listened to the guy. I mean, and, you know, he he had his crystal ball out, and he knew. He could see. But when you do something, when you change course and you like you don't look back and go, man, that's, you know, what do we do? Yeah. When you alienate so many of your fans and you can't get them back, it just, what do you do? So I don't know if they'll ever get it back, but hopefully they will. Yeah. In the meantime, while they're doing whatever they got to do to try to figure it out, we'll just keep supporting local racing. Because oh. that's, that's where the real racers have always been. The real racers never left that. No. And it, look, <laughs> it's dirt tracks, short tracks. I mean, I've got customers that, that run dirt. I've got customers that do asphalt stuff. And they're all, you know, everybody's got to run certain rules. And they know the rules. And they they love it. And they're passionate about it. Nobody's racing and, and becoming a millionaire because they race. Um, so it's still the same adage, but they just... They love the sport. They just want a fair shake. Yeah. And some places you don't get that. Some places you do. Yeah. Well, I think I think that'll hold us over for an off-season check-in. Heck yeah. And, uh, appreciate it as always, brother. Thank you, man. Oh, um, real quick before we go, uh, I was going to give you a chance. I know uh, still some things getting finalized, but you got something coming up uh, in January. You're you, you're going to be working on. Yes. Uh, or working with, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Doughton from DRP and Bob Bowles, um, who rode at Circle Track, and now he's writing some for uh, Speedway Illustrated, and he's got technical stuff. We decided we are going to put on a seminar uh, January 21st and 22nd at DRP, a two-day seminar, and it's um, going to be the latest update, up-to-date technology uh, that's available and just uh, really help people understand what's going on and, and uh, a lot of good information will come from that and we're going to try to get some guest speakers uh, right now you know we don't really have people lined up but we're working on it behind the scenes and uh, just trying to hash out all the details be yeah, on the lookout for that if you watch uh, not watch you don't watch a magazine you read a magazine that'll be getting posted in Speedway Illustrated here pretty soon. Yep. So, looking forward to it. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Half Price Concessions Podcast. Thanks to our partners at North Carolina 811, Performance Center Racing Warehouse, Accelerated Graphics, and our buddies at Montgomery Performance Consulting. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're listening in on YouTube, hit subscribe and hit the like button. We would sincerely appreciate it. Before I let you go, in this season of Christmas, as we get ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus and we gather with family and friends, I want to just give you a little reminder of the reason for the season. It's found in Luke chapter 1, and I'll start in verse 30. As the angel Gabriel has come down to speak 
to the Virgin Mary and tell her about what's to come. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. God bless you guys. I hope that you have a great day.